Okay, we're in Lesson 28. We're continuing in our study of the Proverbs in this third section of Proverbs, Proverbs that are exalting righteous living. So we're looking at Lesson 28, Proverbs Exalting Righteous Living, Part 6. So we're starting out, look, we're going to look at uh, chap Chapter 19, Verse 17, all the way through Chapter 20, Verse 8 today. So let's look at uh, Verse 17, first of all, and uh, notice what the writer writes. As he says, he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. So the point I want you to see here is this, that the Lord rewards those who are charitable. The Lord rewards those who are charitable. Now, I think this is a very important point for you and I to consider, especially in this day and age, because really there's really an attitude that is basically being conveyed among Christians today when it comes to the issue of the poor. So, for instance, I have many times heard people make statements like, who are the poor? Now, what they mean by that is, you know, who are the poor really? Because there's a lot of government programs that take care of them. And I think what happens is, is that we can make excuses for not helping out people who are in need, who are poor, legitimately poor. And we do have legitimate poor around us. Because oftentimes we will make excuses and say, well, they just need to be better managers of their money. They just need to deal with that issue better. And so we will make excuses and say that we're not going to help them out. Now, the problem with that is, is that there is such a thing as people who are caught in the cycle of poverty and caught in the cycle of being poor and they don't know how to get out of it. We say, well, they just need to. Well, let me ask you this question. When's the last time you were able to deal with something that has ensnared you? So let's take, for instance, a sin issue. If you are addicted to some sort of behavior or something, how easy is it for you just to get out of that activity that you're involved in knowing that it's wrong. See, for us to simply say, well, they just need to deal with it and get over it, I think is really missing the point of what Proverbs is telling us. Because I think what we're going to see, especially in this verse, is that God has a heart of compassion for the poor. In fact, if you look at this verse, notice what it says there. It's basically saying that he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. So if I'm going to show compassion to the person who is poor, basically, I'm basically, it's like I'm lending God money to take care of that poor person. And then the writer goes on and says and that he will pay back what he has given. Now, who's the he there? It's not the poor person. It's God will pay us back for lending to him that is allowing our resources to be used to help the poor. God will then, what? He will reward us for having compassion. So I think the attitude that we need to have is not one of contempt, but one of compassion. And that's basically what the verse says here. And what you're going to find throughout the Old and New Testament is, is that God has a heart for the poor. They have a, he, has, he has a special place in his heart for the poor and he rewards those who have compassion on the poor. Look now at verse 18, the issue of discipline. Chasten your son 
while there is hope. And do not set your heart on his destruction. And notice the point now. It is necessary to discipline children to prevent their premature death. It is necessary to discipline children to prevent their premature death. Now, here's the point. You and I are to discipline our children, to mold our children in their character while there's hope, while we still can. And by doing that, we are basically preventing them from engaging in activities which will lead to their destruction. That's the point that uh, Solomon is making here in this Proverbs. I want you to notice now verse uh, 19, the issue of character. A man of great wrath will suffer punishment. For if you rescue him, you will have to do it again. Now, a couple points I want you to see here. First of all, a hot-tempered man repeatedly gets himself in trouble and has to pay for it. A hot-tempered man repeatedly gets himself into trouble and has to pay for it. And so you and I have seen people like this. Who basically, uh, they're, they're a hothead. They are emotional. As soon as you know they erupt, they get themselves into trouble. And it's because of their temper. They can't control themselves. And so basically we're seeing the, the Proverbs telling us here that a man of great wrath will suffer punishment. He'll suffer the consequences of his behavior. But there's another point here. A self-controlled person will have to rescue him from his penalty repeatedly. A self-controlled person will have to rescue him from his penalty repeatedly. And what you see here is this, is that if I have a friend who is a hot-tempered man, a hothead, and he's continually getting himself into trouble, if I continually go and rescue him and help him out of the trouble that he's brought upon himself, What's going to happen is, is he's going to get himself in trouble again, and I'm going to have to go and rescue him again. And that's the whole point of Proverbs here. Proverbs is trying to tell us is that a hot-tempered man is going to continually get himself into trouble. And the person who tries to rescue him is going to have to continually rescue him from the problems he's getting himself into. And so we see that there in verse 19. Look at verse now, verse 20. Listen to the counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. Here we're looking at the issue of instruction. By accepting advice and discipline, one becomes wise. By accepting advice and discipline, one becomes wise. See, here's the point. Over and over, you're going to see throughout the Scripture that no one ever comes to the place of saying that they have arrived and they know everything. No one, no one, each of us is continually needing to learn, continually needing to journey forward in our progression in wisdom. And so we need to accept discipline, we need to accept advice, and by doing so, we become wise. We become men and women of understanding. And so we see that in verse 20. Look now with me at verse 21, the issue of the sovereignty of God. And this is a very important verse. In fact, you may want to put a star by this verse. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. There are many plans in a man's heart, 
nonetheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. So here's the point that he's making here. The success of our plans depends on the will of God. Each of us has dreams. Each of us has ideas of what we want to accomplish. Each of us has plans of what we would like to see happen with our life or what we would like to see happen with our family or what we would like to see happen with our church. And the point that we need to see here is is that even though we may have many plans, ultimately it's what God's will is. And ultimately, you and I need to recognize that God is in control, that God is sovereign, and that we need to bring our plans into submission to ultimately what His will is. In fact, that's what the writer is saying here. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, His will, His idea, His plans, that will stand. That's what the writer is saying there. So we see the issue of the sovereignty of God. Look now at verse 22. Again, the issue of character. What is desired in a man is kindness. And a poor man is better than a liar. What is desired in a man is kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. And so the issue here we see is kindness or loving kindness is a virtue people desire in others. Kindness or loving kindness is a virtue that people desire in others. You can also say that loyalty is a virtue that people desire in others. Because when you have loving kindness, when you, when you express kindness, there's that issue of loyalty. And notice the opposite of that. A poor man is better than a liar. So here's the point. But lying is so despicable that poverty is preferred to it. Lying is so despicable that poverty is preferred to it. And so, for instance, example is, an example for you and I is, is that in our culture today, lying is becoming more and more acceptable in our culture. In fact, uh, recent studies and so forth are saying that people find that lying is permissible. And, we, and they're even allowing their children to lie. Truth no longer has a standard in our culture. And so it's almost expected for people to lie. We don't have a problem electing officials who lie. In fact, we say, they're just all liars. Now, the problem is, is that even though there's this acceptance of the sin of lying, nobody wants to be labeled a liar. Nobody wants to have or aspires to the label of liar. In fact, most people would rather be known as a man and woman of their word. But the problem is, is that what we have today is a culture that promotes lying, but even still with that promotion of lying, nobody wants to be called a liar. And that's the point that Proverbs is making here. People would rather be poor than be labeled a liar. And so I want you to notice now the issue of the fear of the Lord in verse 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life. And he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. Here's what I want you to notice. The one who fears the Lord has life and is secure and at peace with himself 
and others. The one who fears the Lord has life and is secure and at peace with himself and others. I think, my friends, this is something that is missing today in the American church is the whole concept of the fear of God. And so, when you and I have the fear of God, it leads to life, it leads to life, it leads to a productive life on our part, it leads to contentment, satisfaction, and it leads to the fact that we won't be visited with evil because we're, we conduct ourselves in a way in which we live in the fear of God. Now, someone might say, well, what is the fear of God? Well, the fear of God is a reverential, holy awe of God and a respect for Him that is also translated into the issue of fear. So, for instance, if you ask any individual if they feared their dad, most of individuals will say, yeah, I, I feared my father. Well, if you said, then why did you fear your father? Did you fear your father because you knew that he cared for you? They would say, no, I feared my father because I know if I did wrong, I would have to pay the penalty that he would dish out for my actions. And so I feared my father because I know that I would be held accountable for my behavior. See, I think that's the same thing we need to recognize here is that when we talk about the fear of God, you and I need to come to a comprehension that God is not just my buddy. And so, because oftentimes we can think that way in our culture, in our Christian culture, we have reduced God down to just our friend and our buddy. But God is a holy being without sin who basically demands and judges sin in our lives in such a way that if you and I do wrong, we're going to face the consequences of that. We are going to face discipline. In fact, I want you to think about it. God is like the Heavenly Father. And so, if you go all the way back to verse 18, which we just looked at a few moments ago, notice what it says. This is the attitude that you and I need to have as parents with regards to the ones that we love, our children that we love. Verse 18, chasing your son while there is hope. And do not set your heart on his destruction. My friends, that's the very same attitude that God has for us. He is going to chasten us while there is hope, while there is the opportunity to mold us into the image of Jesus Christ so that we don't go into the path of destruction. And so you and I need to have a sense in which we fear God and live with the fear of God that I'm accountable for my actions. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. That is missing from the church today. We don't fear God anymore with regards to how we live our lives. And so that's basically the point that we see there with reference in verse 23 to the fear of God. Look now at verse 24, the issue of laziness. A lazy man buries his hand in a bowl and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Here's the point, very simple. Some lazy people... Some people are too lazy to eat. Some people are too lazy to eat. Very straightforward. Look now again, verse 25, the issue of discipline. The issue of discipline. Strike a scoffer, and the simple will become weary. Rebuke one who has understanding, and he will discern knowledge. 
The point I want you to see there is discipline affects people differently. Discipline affects people differently. So the point here that's being made is, is that when I strike a scoffer, now again, a scoffer is someone who is unteachable, but if, if you strike a scoffer, the simple person, the immature person, is going to learn from that. Reminds me of back about 1972, I was uh, in the second grade. My parents were uh, living at that time in uh, Fort Lee, Virginia, and we were going to the Prince George School District there, and that's back when they still disciplined children. They still spanked children. And I remember being sent by the teacher up to the office to bring a note up there. And as I was going in there, there were a couple boys that were being taken into the principal's office for disciplinary reasons. And I had to wait a moment, and you could hear the spanking that was going on in the other room. Now, here I am. I'm six, seven years old. That got my attention. Now, it maybe didn't get their attention, because maybe they got in trouble again. But for me, as a six- and seven-year-old who's just running an errand, Seeing someone getting disciplined for bad behavior, do you think that got my attention about that I should maybe behave in school? You better believe it did. And see, that's the whole point of the proverb here. Strike a scoffer, and the simple will become weary. The immature will be cautious about what they're doing because they recognize that they might receive discipline for their action. Also notice what it says, rebuke one who has understanding, and he will discern knowledge. So when you correct someone who is growing in wisdom, how they're going to respond is, is they're going to continue to grow in wisdom because of the rebuke. Discipline and rebuke are actually going to benefit the person who has wisdom. Look now at verse 26, the issue of family. He who mistreats his father and chases away his mother is a son who causes shame and brings reproach. Here, the one who abuses his parents is a disgrace. The one who abuses his parents is a disgrace. And so what we see here is, is that, and this is happening in our culture today too now, if you and I don't show proper honor and respect to our parents and, and care for them, especially as they get older, we are a disgrace. That's what Proverb is saying. Proverb is saying that we are not doing right. We are wrong because of the way we treat our parents. Look now at verse 27, the issue of discipline again. Cease listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Here's the point. Rejecting discipline leads to disobedience. Rejecting discipline leads to disobedience. And so the whole point here is that when I reject discipline, when I reject discipline, when I don't listen to someone, the rebuke of God, or when I don't listen to the rebuke of others, it's basically, and I just do my own thing, it's going to lead to the issue of disobedience. I'm going to be heading in a wrong direction and doing what's wrong. And so that's the point that we see here in verse 27. Look now with me at verse 28, the issue of justice. The disruptible witness scorns justice, and the mouth of the wicked devours iniquity. A disruptible witness scorns justice, and the mouth of the wicked devours iniquity. 
Here's the point that we're going to see. Corrupt witnesses are a mockery to justice. Corrupt witnesses are a mockery to justice. Look at the issue now, verse 29, the issue of retribution. Judgments are prepared for the scoffers and beatings for the backs of fools. Judgments are prepared for scoffers and beatings for the backs of fools. Here's the point. Fools will be punished. Fools will be punished. Now you say, when will that happen? In God's timing. It may seem like they're getting away with it now, but ultimately, a fool, a scoffer, will receive his just punishment for the things that he's doing. So we see that here. Okay, now look at verse 1 of chapter 20. This is an interesting verse, and I think it's very ap- applicable to our society today. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Here's the point I want you to see. The use of alcohol can lead to foolish behavior. The use of alcohol can lead to foolish behavior. Here's the point. The Scripture does not forbid you from drinking. There's nowhere it says, don't drink. However, it warns you against drink. And here's the point that it's making here in this verse. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. And whoever is led astray by it is not wise. A person who engages in drunkenness, who is controlled by alcohol, who drinks to excess, thereby being controlled under the intoxication of that drink, is not wise. They're a foolish person because they're allowing their life to be controlled by that. And so what you'll see over and over in the Bible is the Bible will tell you, the Scripture will tell you, not to give yourself over to drinking, not to be controlled by drinking, not to be drunk. Those things are forbidden. It's not that the issue of drinking is, but the problem is in our society, when you look at people and the way they drink today, it's not a drink for the sake of a drink. It's drinking for the sake of drunkenness. People in our culture, in our society, drink to get drunk. And that is forbidden in the Scripture. Look now at verse 2, the issue of uh, the emotions of a king. The wrath of a king is like the roaring of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger sins against his own life. The wrath of a king is like the roaring of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger sins against his own life. And so here's the point. It's unsafe to provoke the anger of a king. It's unsafe to provoke the anger of the king. And so you can see that. And you can see that even today in our society, even though we're in a democratic society and we elect our officials, there is a point where if you provoke the anger of officials, it's not necessarily a good thing. And so that's a point that needs to be taken into consideration there. Look at verse 3 now, the issue of conduct. It is honorable for a man to stop striving, since any fool can start a quarrel. It's honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. Here's the point I want you to see. Honorable people find ways to avoid strife whereas the fool seeks a quarrel. 
Honorable people find ways to avoid strife, whereas the fool seeks a quarrel. The whole point that's being said here is, is that even though conflict is going to happen, but an honorable person is going to not just go into, to, into a quarrel. An honorable person is going to seek to avoid a quarrel. They're not going to try to get engaged in a quarrel. But a fool, a fool looks for a fight anywhere. A fool is always wanting to stir something up. A fool is always going to do something that brings about a negative response. And that's the whole point that we see there in verse 3. Look at now at verse 4. The lazy man will not plow because of winter, and he will beg during harvest and have nothing. The lazy man will not plow because of winter, and he will beg during harvest and have nothing. What I want you to see now is the issue of laziness. A farmer who is too lazy to plant at the right time will have no harvest. A farmer who is too lazy to plant at the right time will have no harvest. So there's a time for planting. And if you're too lazy to plant, when harvest comes, you're going to be begging. That's the point that Proverbs is making, because you're not going to have any harvest. You're not going to enjoy harvest. Look now at the issue of discernment. Verse 5. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Verse 5. Here's the point. Those who are wise can discern the motives of the heart. Those who are wise can discern the motives of the heart. Look now at the issue of verse 6. We're back to the issue of character. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness. But who can find a faithful man? Listen to what it's saying. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness. But who can find a faithful man? Here's the point I want you to see. It is rare to find a truly faithful friend. It is rare to to find a truly faithful friend. Most people will tell you they're a good person and they'll do what's right and they'll help you out. But how many people actually do that? When the rubber meets the road, when difficulties arise, how many people are actually there to help you out? And that's the whole point of the Proverbs. There's a lot of people who will say to you, oh, well, we'll do good when times are tough. But who will find a faithful man? Who can find a faithful man? That's the whole point. There are very few faithful friends. And that's the point you see over and over in Proverbs. You will have many acquaintances. You will have many people who will call themselves your friends. But there are few, less than a few, who will be there for you without asking anything in return, who will be faithful. You know what? And the key point is, is that you make sure that, that one of those faithful is your spouse. The person you're married to. Okay. Let's go on now as we look again at the issue of integrity. Look with me at verse 7. The righteous man walks in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. The righteous man walks in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. Here's the point. It is the integrity of parents will extend to the lives of their children. The integrity of parents will extend to the lives of their children. So if you are a man and woman of your word and you develop that reputation of having integrity, that reputation is going to reflect well on the children. And so, for instance, you oftentimes will hear someone say, well, that's so-and-so's son. He should be a good guy because I know the dad and the dad was a good man. 
Why? The integrity of the parent is then reflected back on the child. And so the child benefits because the parents were men and women of integrity. And that's the whole point that Proverbs is making there. And then finally, as we conclude our lesson today, look at the issue of justice. Verse 8, a king who sits on the throne of judgment scatters all evil with his eyes. A king who sits on the throne of judgment scatters all evil with his eyes. And here's the point. The righteous king discerns right from wrong. The righteous king discerns right from wrong. Next week, we're going to look at uh, Lesson 29 as we continue on examining these, this third section of Proverbs, Proverbs Exalting Righteous Living, as we're going to be looking at verses 9 of chapter 20 all the way to uh, verse 1 of chapter 21 uh, as we look at part 7. Let's close our time in prayer.